is Think It Through with me, April A. Bear. Get ready to start thinking. I know, it's hard, and you'd probably rather not. But here we go anyway. Hi everyone, welcome to Think It Through. In this episode, I'm going to discuss the topic of inconsistency, which is something that has implications both for our ability to argue effectively, and it can also affect us personally in the way we view others, as well as how they view us. We generally think that inconsistency is not a good thing, and there are circumstances in which that is totally the case. But in fact, the concept of inconsistency is more complicated than it appears. Today, we're going to find out why. What is inconsistency? Well, it's the state of being inconsistent. Okay, that's not very helpful. Let me explain. When things are inconsistent, they are obviously not the same. But more than that, they're not the same when we think they should be. Let's say you order a dozen cookies from a bakery for your dinner party, and when you get them, you see that 11 of them are nice and big and round, but the 12th one is less than half the size of the others, and it's definitely not round. That one is inconsistent with the others. And depending on how you feel about that, you might just eat it yourself so you won't be serving weird-looking cookies to your dinner guests. Or, if getting a weird cookie just doesn't sit right with you, you stomp back to the bakery, slam that box of cookies on the counter, and demand a fresh, consistent box of cookies. Or maybe someone you know tends to act a certain way with great regularity, so that you come to assume they're going to act that way in a given situation. But if that situation happens and they don't act the way you assume they will, then you would label their behavior inconsistent. And your response to that inconsistent behavior might be confusion, annoyance, or even anger. So those are a couple of examples of inconsistency, which is when things just don't match up. But why is inconsistency so troubling to us? In a 2012 episode of NPR's radio program, State of the Nation, the host and panelist examine this need that humans have for consistency. This need is hardwired into our brains because so much of what our brains do is make predictions about what's going to happen next based on what we've experienced in the past. And when our predictions come to pass, our brains are rewarded with a little shot of dopamine that makes us feel good that we were right. But if that prediction doesn't come to pass, in other words, if what happens is inconsistent with what we expected would happen, not only do we not get a dopamine hit, but we may feel angry or even betrayed. And this all happens on an unconscious level, but it definitely affects us in the real world. I'll link to the transcript of that radio program in the show notes. This need for consistency certainly makes logical sense. In formal argument, when someone's making claims to support a conclusion, those claims need to be consistent with each other. It's illogical to make two claims that cannot both be true, and then expect the person you're trying to persuade to believe your claims, because which one of those two incompatible things should they believe? Or should they believe both of them, or neither? The fallacy of inconsistency has to do with claims that don't match up with each other. 
This fallacy happens when a person makes two claims in support of their argument that simply cannot both be true. Now, you might be thinking, well, nobody with any brain cells would fall for that, but you'd be wrong. Not only does this happen a lot, but if you're not paying attention, it can slip right by you, and you might even think that person is making sense. For example, what if someone said to you, one thing I know for sure is that nobody really knows what's true. That sounds profound, right? But wait a minute, though. If nobody knows what's true, then that person can't know anything for sure. They've just contradicted themselves in the same sentence. And that's the fallacy of inconsistency. Or how about this one, said by Phyllis Schlafly in 1972 during discussions about whether to pass the Equal Rights Amendment. And I quote, What I am defending is the real rights of women. A woman should have the right to be in the home as a wife and mother. Okay, here's the thing. Nobody at the time was saying that women shouldn't be wives or mothers or that they shouldn't stay at home if they wanted to. The amendment simply said that they couldn't be denied rights that men already had on account of the fact that they were women. But what Schlafly was saying was that she was all for women's rights, but that the right place for women to be was at home. That is the epitome of the inconsistency fallacy. There's also some equivocation fallacy in there, but that's not what we're talking about today, so I'm just going to move on. Okay, so that's logical inconsistency. However, there's another kind of inconsistency known as personal inconsistency. The fallacy of logical inconsistency happens within the same argument. Personal inconsistency generally happens over a period of time. For example, when the infamous Access Hollywood tape was released in 2016, then-candidate Trump immediately acknowledged and apologized for the lewd comments he made. But sometime after he was elected, he started saying that it wasn't his voice on the tape. Hey, either it was or it wasn't, and according to Billy Bush, it definitely was him. But acknowledging and apologizing for something you did and then saying it wasn't me is blatant inconsistency. So Trump was guilty of personal inconsistency on this issue. Now, lest you think I'm picking on him, of course, other politicians have inconsistencies in their statements over time. When Joe Biden was a senator, he twice threatened to filibuster particular pieces of legislation. Although he never actually went through with his filibuster plans, he obviously supported it as a tactic. But recently, he described it as a Jim Crow-era relic that needs to be changed. So plenty of people have accused him of flip-flopping on this issue. It would seem that this fallacy is pretty cut and dried. When people say one thing and then say or do another thing, and those two things are very different from each other, they're being inconsistent, and that's just wrong, right? But is personal inconsistency always wrong in the same way that logical inconsistency is always a fallacy? It's very true that consistency is considered the hallmark of ethical behavior. Generally speaking, our moral standards and our actions should be consistent with each other, and we should examine our lives to see if there are inconsistencies between our values and our behaviors and seek to make them more consistent with each other. But does that mean that once we come to a decision or a conclusion about something, we can never change our minds? Well, let me just ask you this. When you were a kid, 
Were you absolutely sure that Santa Claus was real? Do you still think so? Or did new information come to light and you realize at some point that maybe you needed to alter your belief on this particular issue? If you've changed your mind about anything over the course of your life, does that mean that you're a big old hypocritical flip-flopper? Of course, you would say no. You would simply say that your life experiences and knowledge you've gained over the years have made it clear to you when you needed to think differently than you did before. But do you give the same leeway to other people when they come out in favor of something they were previously opposed to? We tend to be particularly hard on politicians when they change their mind about an issue or when we perceive inconsistency between their actions and their words, and oftentimes we are right to be hard on them. But not always. For an explanation, let's return to the NPR program about inconsistency. In it, they were discussing how people perceive inconsistency in politicians, how they would determine whether the inconsistency is just because the person learned new information and changed their mind, or were they being hypocritical in saying whatever they thought was politically expedient at the time. They referenced a study by Jamie Barden of Howard University, in which he had people evaluate the behavior of a fictional political operative named Mike. In this narrative, Mike threw a big political fundraising party, then drove home drunk, got into an accident, and wrecked his car. Then a month later, Mike went on a radio program and talked about how dangerous it was to drink and drive, and that nobody should ever do it. In the story that some people read, Mike was a Republican operative. In another group's story, Mike was portrayed as a Democrat. What Barden discovered was that when the person reading the story was a Democrat and Mike was portrayed as a Republican, the person was very likely to say that Mike's words were inconsistent with his actions and he was therefore a hypocrite. Now, the same thing happened when the person reading the story was a Republican and Mike was portrayed as a Democrat. But when the parties of both Mike and the reader were aligned, they were either both Republicans or both Democrats, people were much more likely to say that Mike was not a hypocrite, but instead someone who had a terrible experience, had learned his lesson, and went on the radio to talk about it. This study shows that we are more likely to determine what is consistent or inconsistent behavior based on our social and political allegiances rather than looking at the facts. But most of us think we are taking the facts into account when we come to these conclusions. And again, these effects are largely subconscious. I have to admit, this made me stop and think about my own implicit biases. Let's take that example I gave of Joe Biden's stand on the filibuster that changed over time. Because I self-identify as a liberal, my first thought was that while his present position on the filibuster is inconsistent with his past position, he probably has changed his mind about it over time and decided that the way it's set up and utilized now actually does more harm than good. I didn't really assign any hypocrisy to its change in position because, frankly, I kind of agree with it. But what if I stepped back and looked at it from the opposition's viewpoint? What might I think of his change position? Well, it would be a lot easier for me to assign hypocrisy to his present stance because when he was in the Senate, he supported it. But once he ended up in the administration as vice president and now president, I might think he changed his mind because it simply isn't politically expedient for him to support it. The filibuster could potentially stand in the way of him getting his agenda items passed. So 
I can absolutely see why people who are not on his side politically would accuse him of hypocritical flip-flopping. Now, I think, and this is just me, that it's actually a bit of both. I think he really does believe that the filibuster process as it stands is problematic, but he also knows it's politically expedient for him to support making changes to it. When is inconsistency a problem? And what can we do to avoid being logically or personally inconsistent? As far as being logically inconsistent, if you make a claim and then immediately make another claim within the same argument, and it's obvious that those two claims cannot both be true, then yes, you are guilty of the fallacy of inconsistency. So if you say something like, oh, I'm a strong proponent of artistic freedom, but that Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion have no business making a disgusting song like WAP. Well, sorry, but WAP is absolutely an example of artists exercising their artistic freedom, whether you think it's a good piece of art or not. So your claim that those artists have no business creating that song is, you guessed it, inconsistent with your first claim that you're a strong proponent of artistic freedom. You don't have to like the song to recognize that the artists involved are making a social statement that women deserve and should demand pleasure in sexual relationships. Now, if you come to the realization that both your claims cannot be true, and you amend your statement to that effect, then okay. So if you say something like, you know, I really hate that WAP song, but I understand that artists sometimes say things in their works that people might find offensive in order to make a statement. Well, then you're good. You get to both hate the song and uphold artistic freedom, and you won't be guilty of the fallacy of inconsistency. Now, for the problem of personal inconsistency, if you make a claim, then some time passes, and you make another claim that cannot be true if the first claim you made was true, then you should acknowledge that the first claim was not true, or it was made on the basis of evidence that has been shown in the interim to be false or inadequate in some way, and you now have good, solid, credible evidence that shows the way you think now is more accurate then you're not guilty of personal inconsistency. So all those Congress people who voted to go to war with Iraq in 2003 on the basis of what later turned out to be wrong intel about Iraq having weapons of mass destruction, but afterwards said that going to war on that basis was wrong, can't really be justifiably accused of flip-flopping on that issue. Did they vote for war? And then sometime later say it was a bad idea to vote for war. Yes. Does that make them horrible people who can't make up their mind? Oh, well, not in this instance. Sometimes we come to a conclusion based on the best available information at the time. Then later we get new, more credible information and we realize that we have to change our mind. So all those people that are pissed off at Dr. Anthony Fauci for making different statements in the past about what we should be doing to protect ourselves during the pandemic, as opposed to what he says now, those people need to recognize that he's not flip-flopping or being wishy-washy or untrustworthy or however you want to describe him, when what you mean is that his messages have been inconsistent. That is true. But... 
It's only because he was responding to ever-changing information in the face of a major global threat and was giving us the best advice he could based on the best information he had at the time. And he always explains himself and references the new information when he makes new recommendations. So no, Dr. Fauci is not a flip-flopper and is not guilty of personal inconsistency on the topic of protecting ourselves in a pandemic. So, let's wrap this up. While our brains don't like inconsistency, it's not always a bad thing. Okay, logically, it's a bad thing. Your claims within your argument should be consistent. If they're not, you're guilty of a fallacy. Personally, however, we are allowed to change our minds about things, but we need to have good, logically-based reasons for doing so. Also, we need to realize that we might have to explain those reasons to other people so they don't accuse us of being hypocritical. And even if we do, they still might call us hypocritical, especially if they don't agree with us. Of course, it's always good to be as consistent as we can, both in word and deed, but under certain circumstances, with new, credible, more up-to-date information from trustworthy sources, it's okay to change your mind. And that's it for this episode. If you like what you hear, rate and review me on Apple Podcasts. You can also contact me on Facebook on my page, Think It Through, The Clearer Thinking Podcast. And I hope you're using all the information you gain by listening to these episodes to help you think it through.